Hava. Michael. This is a special podcast. This is a very special podcast. We're going to be interviewing uh, Maimonides Nuts. Yes, it's true. A very special and very Jewish internet famous guest. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Are you excited? I'm excited. I'm excited. Right now, I'm just really processing the fact that I woke up and the first thing I did was ate a donut. So. Yeah. Which kind of donut did you eat? Oh, it was uh, the blueberry, uh, the uh, basil, yeah. lemon. I didn't like that one as much as no, I thought I you would. Know, I don't like cake donuts. I think yeah. cake donuts are bullshit. <laughs> Interesting. And, uh, any listener who disagrees with me, well, you're wrong. Oh, I have to tell you, Michael, about a fun snack I made the other night, and I hope some listeners will appreciate this as well. More than a snack, it was like a piece of performance art challenging our conceptions about the sacred and the profane. I took my fresh kosher challah, and I tore off little chunks of it, and then I wrapped them in prosciutto, and then I melted cheddar cheese on top of each one with like a little cocktail toothpick. Oh my God. <laughs> that is like the 2020s new piss Christ. Yeah, absolutely. It was my very own edible piss Christ. Oh my God. <laughs> Listeners, don't hate us. I'm sorry about the cake donuts. Hava's sorry about the <laughs> piss Christ prosciutto. I'm, I'm not. I'm not sorry about it. I don't regret it. That's the kind of strength of character I like to see. Only God can judge me, as I've said previously on this podcast, and even he is on thin ice. <laughs> How are you feeling this morning, Michael? How am I feeling this morning? Uh, afternoon, whatever time fucking is. Okay, okay. So so we're watching this really bad show right now. What's it called? Doom Patrol. Okay. Michael thinks it's bad because he's very pretentious. I'm not pretentious. Mm. I actually asked a friend recently, I was like, am I pretentious? And they were like, no. And this friend is not oh. pretentious. Case closed, I guess. <laughs> there you go. The See? evidence speaks for itself. I just don't think everything you say is the truth. Or I just don't think everything you say is the truth. Well, great. Whoa, perfect. I, well, this is amazing. Anyway, we're watching this show. We're watching this show, and there's this song that comes on. It's like a... It's a Kelly Clarkson it's song, It's a Kelly Clarkson song. I don't know who Kelly Clarkson is. American Idol winner, season two. I like the alliterative name. It was a great song, and I think that's how I feel, but not so positive. Like, the world is on fire, and we're all misfits. Yeah, but you're not excited about it. Yeah, like the song is like, oh yeah, just live your life and woo, I'm Kelly Clarkson. And I'm like, oh fuck, the world's on fire and I'm a misfit. <laughs> oh no. You know? That sounds very um, immobilizing. Yeah, I don't think I'll be moving anywhere today. <laughs> I'm going to stay in like a 30 foot radius all day long. Yeah. How are you, Hava? It's been an interesting morning. I woke up really excited to work on my crochet project and then promptly realized that I had made a mistake in the first row and had to undo everything I've done so far. And then as I was undoing everything, I tangled up my skein of yarn and I had to spend, I mean, I didn't have to spend, but I chose for some reason to spend like two hours untangling yarn, which was really torturous. Ah, oh, that sucks. So that really affected my state of mind. Oh, but your hair is so blue right now. It's true. My hair's blueness has been refreshed. So at least I have that. And I have this big clip in it, I which know, is quite fun. I know. This clip is great. You it's, like it? Yeah, it's got the yeah. tortoise shell like mm -hmm. I feel like I look like a, like a 90s school teacher, like a sexy school teacher from a 90s movie. Yeah, I'd take that. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So. You look like a really interesting stock character in a 90s movie. <laughs> That's honestly all any of us can aspire to. As a one-dimensional person. 
person I aspire to be two dimensional myself. Right. right. Three dimensional is too much to ask. No, 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 no. I feel like I've it's got 2020, the baby. first, second, and fourth dimensions down, but the third dimension, which is like normalcy, <laughs> is com- I'm completely missing it. Same. I feel like I have the first and the fourth. Yeah. I'm just like utter filth <laughs> slash also sometimes like a little bit beyond the third dimension. Yeah. I mean, I guess we can't even really imagine a one-dimensional object. You're looking right at them. I mean, you're two-dimensional, just the dimensions aren't sequential because <laughs> you have the first and the fourth. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah it's not yeah, really yeah, a joke. Yeah, it's just like... A, it's just a fact. It's, it's just, just part of I this see, yeah. logical proof that we're building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sound and fury signifying nothing. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking forward to talking to Nuts. Sophia, actually, is her name. Mm, Rabbi Nuts. Mm, <laughs> I don't like to call people, you know... Mm. Human names. We gotta pay respects. I know. know, but I think you will <laughs> need to <laughs> during the course of the interview. Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. I I mean, we'll ask her. Yeah, sorry. I'm not very up right now. Or not like, not like up, up. I mean, like... Sparkling, Sp- spe- yeah, spewing, spewing delicious, sparkling nug- and spewing. nugs. I'm not spewing delicious nugs of content <laughs> right now. I know that's why we had to start talking now, so that by yeah, the yeah, time yeah. Rob Nats is on the show, that we're both just spewing delicious nugs of content all over the place. With us today is the inimitable, the famous, the iconic. Maimonides Nuts, also known as Sophia. Sophia, thank you so much for coming on the show. How are you? Thanks for having me. I am pretty good. This is actually my first podcast appearance, and I'm glad it's with you. (laughs) Do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about what you are and what you do in the Jewish internet world? What are you? (laughs) What and who, like, what is the energy of Sophia slash Maimonides Nuts? I was called endearingly irreverent (laughs) in a article once, and I think that is the best description. So basically, about a year ago, I just decided suddenly to start tweeting sort of everything as one does. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And most of everything was about Judaism. Really quickly, I started to gain a following. Like I was getting 500 to to $1,000 a month beginning. I still don't know how to process it. I guess just finding out that the things that I've been thinking, a lot of people have been thinking or not knowing that they've been thinking is really cool. What are some of the things that you thought were just you? The first one is really tapping into a lot of material for humor that people wouldn't go for usually, like the liturgy or the scripture, all the humor really centered around more of the secular Jewish culture, which which is fine. People really like that stuff. But I started making jokes about stories in Genesis or like comparing, making some ridiculous interpretation of a prayer. And for a lot of people, it was like, oh, I didn't know you could do mm-hmm. it, but it was really funny. I think I've seen a change in online Jewish humor as well, which has been really cool. And then the other one is just the power of healing. Going back to a lot of things that have been taken out of Judaism for a lot of people and seeing their healing power. A lot of young Jews need healing, Mm -hmm. which I guess isn't surprising. 
Or maybe it is. Oh, it's like you're twisting the knife in my heart right now. Oh, oh. why is it like a knife <laughs> in your heart right now? I'm a Jew who needs healing. Right? Oh, I see. I'm, I'm the Jew I who see. needs healing. <laughs> Here's the medicine. And you're like, it tastes so icky. <laughs> yeah, it's too powerful. <laughs> when Rav Nuts is saying it, I'm just like, oh, the powerful, like, icky medicine that I, I need know. to swallow. Which is like what I hope our show is sometimes, you know, because we also are trying to make fun of content that's like not so supposed to be made fun of and hopefully healing but i don't know maybe some people are experience i experience healing through making our podcast mm, ebbs and flows for me but you know. <laughs> the flow of healing what uh let's go into talmud oh should we go into talmud yeah we should go into talmud it's a theoretically a talmud podcast <laughs> okay okay i just yeah. have so many questions i know we'll learn through the talmud that's the beauty of the talmud the talmud will take us rather than talking about healing let's do some healing let's heal via talmud you volunteer to come on the show today so wonderfully to talk about the finger bone of Rabbi Yochanan's 10th son. What's up with that? Yeah, that's <laughs> weird to me. Yeah, it's so weird. Tell us a little about the story. Right at the beginning of the Talmud, actually, there is a story it's actually about healing. Um, <laughs> there's a triplet of stories about Rabbi Yohanan. Apparently, he's really beautiful, and some people believe he was healing people from just being really beautiful. I can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> that's the dream, right? And there's this weird little factoid in it that they talk about that he carried around the finger bone of his 10th dead son, like he had lost 10 children. Mm -hmm. And so he carries around the finger bone to console people <laughs> when they are suffering, which is a hard concept I found for some people to grasp, but I've thought about it a lot. It's very on brand for Rob Nuts because it's so ridiculous and out there, but then it actually really has this strong power. Like something about the out thereness really gives it its power. I'm kind of thinking about what you said about the medicine and how it's bitter. Like, or what did you say again about? The healing. It's like bad tasting medicine or like a knife being twisted into my heart. <laughs> That's a little dramatic. I don't think it is. I think the finger bone is a knife. It's a very in your face reminder that sometimes things suck. Yeah. So it's like he's the first goth. He's like a Jew yeah, goth. Yeah, I was actually just thinking yeah. about, so you have this design on your internet shop of a goth chai, like a goth design of the Jewish mm -hmm. chai. So the finger bone first comes up in this debate about whether pain that's caused to us by children or like on the count of children can be considered an affliction of love, which that phrase is a little ambiguous, but one of the ways of interpreting it is like, there are certain afflictions which, when we experience them, draw us closer to Hashem, like draw us closer to the source of all that is. And so Yochanan carries this finger bone around as like a reminder of the pain that draws him closer. And that really made me think about goth in a whole new way, like thinking about goth as like having an aesthetic of like pain and mourning at all times as a reminder of like how mm -hmm. close pain and mourning are to like the infinite and the ineffable and life too yeah my big one that we're coming up on is the unatane tokas prayer and just my argument that it's extremely goth that is what goth is this melodramatic terror kind of that people look forward to all year or i do at least. <laughs> 
yeah, the Yom Kippur and the high holidays in general are just have like a very goth energy about them. What you said about the closeness, that it's also closeness to each other. Like it can be very lonely and isolating to be closer to Hashem mm-hmm. yourself. But that presence of another is what it really makes me think of is just all the times I've been in mourning or having a hard time and someone would ask me, how are you doing? I see that as the opposite of the finger bone. It like forces you to lie. It really highlights how isolating it can feel to be suffering. Whereas the finger bone shows that someone understands it and they're right there. And if I like was at a kiddish right as someone was dying, I would much rather someone came up to me and said, this is the finger bone of my 10th son, <laughs> than like, hey, how are you doing? Because that just feels a lot more honest about where I am. Right. Because if someone showed you the finger bone of their 10th son, it would mean like, hey, I am in the same universe of pain that you are in right now. I got this idea from Rabbi Alan Liu. Have you read any of his work? I haven't actually. I saw you tweeted recently about him and I was like, oh, I should look into this guy. Yeah, I looked him up and I saw that he is sort of like at the intersection of Judaism and Buddhism in a lot of ways. Before I came to Judaism as an adult, I spent quite a few years as a pretty dedicated Zen Buddhist. So I felt a lot of like a relation with that. I forget the exact detail, but he started the first Jewish meditation center or like one of the first. Like he was a big founder of the sort of Judaism that people seem to be responding to. Mm-hmm. This is from his book, Be Still and Get Going, where, yeah, he kind of talks about that different plane of existence in which suffering exists to isolation. And that's all healing really means at that point is not being alone. He doesn't tie that to the finger bone, though. Like, he goes with the other interpretation that this guy is saying, you think you have it bad. This is the finger bone of my 10th son, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. I feel like he'd think the other one. So I disagree. <laughs> what you're supposed to do with your teachers, it's showing that suffering can't be quantifiable. Yeah, I think I've run into trouble trying to teach the story because people are just in that idea, like pulling suffering into sort of this world when it exists elsewhere. So Alan reads this story of the finger bone as Yochan sort of like one-upping, sort of like dunking on people with his finger bone. Yeah, that's how he reads it. Yeah. It sounds like probably what I need to read to become a healthier person. (laughs) Oh, I hate having homework. It's true. I'm constantly harassing Michael about his stack of unread books. I just want to not learn. I just want to just be a dummy. Jews are cursed with learning. Dumb, (laughs) dumb, beautiful object art. I need to like get on get on the, the like healing train. the healing train and yeah. oh, and then that just makes me hate myself more. Aww. But you know, no, it's good for me. Yeah, I like a little self hate. It's motivating. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, this was dark. I will just say that it took me a long time to get here. Pretty much a decade. Healing is a slow process. It's a lot slower than people understand, and it's okay to be where you are. In the process, as long as you're trying or you will get there. And sometimes trying is just getting to the next day. So I wouldn't be down on yourself. Okay, thanks, nuts. Okay, question though (laughs) for both of you. Question for both of you. Yeah. Even though you're like a beginner on the healing train, Mm -hmm. can you still be sexy? 
Oh, are you implying that there's a connection between being healed and being sexy? Like it's sexier to be healed. Well, I guess that's what I'm implying. And I'm just want to mm. make sure that like you can still be sexy if you're a broken schmuck like me. He Being healed and like a good moral person who's deep and wise is really for me just a way to be sexy. <laughs> you see, it's like... Right, but if you get to the wisdom, maybe you'll, on the way there, you'll transcend your obsession with And I will sexy. realize that everyone is sexy. Exactly, and then you'll be sexy because you'll believe it about yourself. Okay, I'm just going to imagine that happened to like an alternate universe, Michael, and I'm just going to be like, I'm sexy. Okay, great. great. This is great. This was so inspiring. Thank you for coming on the show. <laughs> Closing thoughts. I would say that what to take away from this story is honesty. Honesty is the most important part in healing, being honest with yourself of where you are. And the finger phone, if anything else, is honest about the reality of life, the universe and everything. <laughs> it's there, as Rabbi Lou says, suffering is suffering. It can neither be controlled nor explained, but we can meet it with compassion, with presence. I think that's a good closing idea. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was our interview. It was so lovely. It was so lovely. It was very earnest, very beautiful. Very beautiful, yeah. very touching. I'm excited. It's nice because now when I'm feeling hurt and in pain, I can just be like, I'm just on a different plane than right. everyone else. You're just in another dimension, a dimension of suffering. I'm in a dimension of suffering, guys. Like the creatures from Hellraiser, the Cenobites. I know their names before any nerd thinks I don't. That was really neat. Is it you, Journey Time? It's you, Journey Time. But you did so much Jewish stuff. Did I do? I did a lot of your stuff. We we did Shabbat. Yeah, we made Shabbat together. What was that like, Michael? What did we do? Mm, tell we, tell uh, us the facts. Well, mommy made challah. It's true. It's me. I tag yourself. I'm mommy. Yes, Hava is my mother. Yeah. Maybe I'll cut that out. <laughs> it's true though. Hava has a in general has a lot of mom vibes. I know. And I think that's hot. <laughs> this is all going to the garbage <laughs> Hala, we did the hala. i made hala. you brought your guitar oh yes we, we sang some songs yeah we sang shalom aleichem together i think we're gonna record michael and i doing shalom aleichem together as patron bonus content get ready for that get ready guys uh and then we lit the shabbat candles right right we lit the candles <laughs> yeah how was that for you how did you feel about doing that Oh, so mixed. I have such weird, negative, complicated associations with Shabbat and the candles and the particular blessings. Mm -hmm. When I went to Hebrew school, the thing they teach you is all that stuff. The big hits. The basics. And so unfortunately, those are linked in my mind to other shit that I didn't really like about being a middle schooler and didn't really like about going to Hebrew school. Ironically, it's like the big hits. It's the Yom Kippur. It's the Rosh Hashanah. It's right. That's the most stressful. Whereas like the secret little holidays are like... The shit that's like secret and, and a little bit more obscure. Basically anything that my extended family and the reformed Jewish community did not expose me to. Is untainted. Yeah, it's untainted. Yeah. Oh, this is making me cringe and then I feel guilty for cringing because I want to try to be sincere and ugh, you know, it's one of those. Do you feel guilty at all because like you're disliking something that I'm doing for reasons that have nothing to do with me? Yeah. 
Yeah, I was just wondering. It just occurred to me that you might feel guilty about that. I'm doing something that's really like earnest and special and beautiful for me. And Mm. you're sort of like... Yeah, I feel guilty about that. Yeah, Yeah. I was just... I don't think you need to feel guilty about that. I'm not trying to provoke you into more Jewish guilt. Uh, It had never occurred to me that that would be your state of mind. Because I was just like in my own little Shabbat world. Like, everything's fine. We're all here together for Shabbat. And it may be that I'll never be able to have that for the way Shabbat is done. I don't know. Right. Maybe that's okay. Right. Maybe that's okay. Yeah, maybe that's okay. Maybe accepting that is part of healing. You know, sometimes when you're broken, you're like seeking, constantly seeking mm-hmm. the, the, the fix. Sure. And I've definitely used many things in my life as the fix before. And inevitably, they always fall away mm-hmm. and, and they never mm-hmm. do the thing that I really want them to do, which is which is actually fixing me. Right. Right. And then there are times when I start feeling guilty that it's not working and that it's my fault. It's just a pattern I've noticed in myself, and I'm trying to figure out how to uh, move past it. This is good Jewish journey content, Michael. Great, I'm glad. This is good. I mean, I feel this way about belief in God, like being a Jew that has a deistic view of the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really hard for me to like accept trying to do that. That's so interesting. I find the accepting God thing so easy <laughs> because the irony is my parents are all atheists and like <laughs> right. reformed Jews basically are just yeah, like right. glorified atheists, wow. right? So to me, the accepting God in part is totally mine in my opinion, in my experience of reformed Jews. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I can claim God. That's so like transgressive right. for a Jew to actually right. believe in God. I feel that way about the transgression as well, but my family was really like cultish Christians so anytime I'm like attempting to connect with the idea of a divinity, I'm I just have like a visceral discomfort. So, you know, maybe that's the place where we're both on the plane of suffering. There you go. I'm having a good Shabbat. You're having a good time with Hashem <laughs> in the negative spaces we're able to connect. This is great. I just want to thank Maimonides Nuts for setting us on this little psychological Yeah. Exploratory little, you know, heartfelt little ep. Yeah. That's what uh, we need. That's what everyone needs. Listeners, here's what I would like for you to do. For one, call us or text us at the Talmud hotline at 401-484-1619. Go and join our Patreon because your support is the only thing that allows me to feed and house myself. And also follow us on Twitter. You can find me at Chai How Are You. You can find Michael at Miss underscore Figured. And please go follow our incredible guest, Maimonides Nuts, at Maimonides Nuts on Twitter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Listeners, each and every one of you is a beautiful baby Torah. Oh, beautiful Torah is all of you. Yeah. Okay. Kisses. Bye. Bye. Shavuotov.